Well, good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. I'm Pastor Lindsay Rich, and um, it's 2021, and I am so glad that we get to be here together um, in this new year celebrating uh, together. And, um, you know, as we start off this first Sunday together in 2021, um, as Chris um, already mentioned, we are going to be celebrating communion together at the end of our service. But there's also something else that we're going to do together that I want to invite you to participate uh, with me during this time. So this is something new I was inspired to try. You know, this is a live service, which means this was not pre-recorded. And so there are a lot of you right now who are watching live as I'm teaching. And so I thought it would be fun for me to ask a question and to ask you to respond to that question in the chat. So whether you are watching us on Facebook Live or you're on our website watching live, um, I'd love for you to participate um, in that so you can get your devices ready and um, we'll be doing that in just a minute. Um, but you know, I, I was inspired to do that because this is a new year and it's fun to sometimes do new things. The, we are starting a new sermon series today that's called Fresh Start. And, um, you know, we are really, a lot of us, looking for a fresh start. This has been a rough year for a lot of us in different ways. And so we're clamoring and holding on to hope that something's going to shift in this new year, that there will be some changes that happen um, moving forward. And, and during this sermon series, we want to look at different ways that we can see a fresh start. And the thing is that even if nothing about our circumstances changes, we can change. And that's really good news for us because it means that no matter what's going on outside of us, that God is at work within us. And so during this sermon series, we're going to be looking at different ways that we can actually see a fresh start, ways, invitations, things that we can step into um, to see change in us, even if nothing around us seems to be shifting. So we're going to look at things like our relationships and our families. We're going to look at our perspectives and how we make decisions, and we're going to talk about how we're following God together because we want to lean into hope together in this new year, hope that there is a fresh start for each of us, no matter what's going on around us. And so I want to start off um, this sermon series and this uh, talk today by asking you a question. So I hope you have your fingers ready so that you can type something in. Um, and what I want you to answer is this question, what is one thing that you can see? And I mean that literally, like I want you to look around the room, wherever you're sitting or if you're outside, and I want you to see, like with your actual eyes, what's one thing that you can actually see. So maybe it's something obvious like a chair or a person, right? Maybe it's something smaller like dust floating in a light beam or something. That's really specific. But, you know, just what, what's one thing that as you look around the room or wherever you are that you can see? And as you're typing in those things, I just want to say that I realize that sometimes doing things like this can feel, I don't know, a little bit silly or something. But I think that it's really valuable to do stuff like this for a couple of reasons. And one of the reasons is that we're all together here. We're, we're not together here in this room, but we're actually together logged on um, in this one place. And what we're doing here as a church is um, we're trying to follow Jesus together, but we're also trying to build community, 
right? This is, we have a sign hanging in our church building that says this is the place where church and community um, intersect. And so we're trying to actually take these small steps of saying, you know what, we're not just watching church, we're gathering together as the church. And sometimes these really small things can have a big impact when you do them and realize we're all in this together. Um, and so, so that's one thing. And another thing is sometimes there's a real connection between what we do physically and what's happening inside of us spiritually. And this is the reason that we often do things like light candles um, and sing songs, um, or we might kneel or fold our hands when we pray, or we might type a word in a chat box of something that we see. And it's because we're hoping to do something with our bodies that will have an impact on us um, inside in our spirits. And so, um, you know, I think that these things are, are important. And um, yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to make that connection together. Um, and I'm going to ask Kevin Aki to read me a couple of these things. Kevin is in the room with me. And um, if you don't know Kevin, Kevin is our director of creative. And um, he is the, the real creative brain behind so many of the things that are happening here in our church. Um, I actually love working with him because it's amazing to see someone as creative as him because I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> he's making signs at me and to stop in the back. I won't, right? But here's the thing. I also want to tell you that technology, the reason our technology works so often is because of Kevin. And um, so whenever something is going well and it's happening right, it's probably because of Kevin. And if there's a mistake or an error, it's probably because of me. And um, Kevin is somewhere trying to fix it. And you might think, oh, that's funny, you know, like I'm just saying that. Like, no, it's actually true. Like, I really do mess things up that he has to fix. Like, I have to move this TV a lot, and I'm always so nervous. Like, he has to fix things behind me all the time. Um, so anyway, Kevin is here, and he told me that he thought that this could work because we're live streaming and that even I couldn't mess it up. So, Kevin, are there a few things that people have said that they can see in their rooms? Oh, yeah. We've got some great answers. Okay, you know, great. Before we jump into these answers, I do have to say you are great at moving the TV. Oh, so thank you. So people are clapping for you at home right now because you do <laughs> such a great job. But let's get into some of these answers. Here's some things that they can see. Uh, our cat, Jesse. Oh, Jessie, okay. It's a Pets. Cat. It's a pet. Yeah. So we have a fireplace. Okay. Bread. Bread. So, somebody said that they can see me, but I think that was Chris Bedell that put that. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, refrigerator. Oh, well, I wonder mm -hmm. what's in it. Mm -hmm. a, a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt, which is a oh. hard for me as a Browns fan because they play today, but someone saw a Steelers shirt. Okay, here's let's brighten it up. Someone said they saw sunshine. Oh. Oh, yeah, that was good. That is mm -hmm. good. That's one of those subtle ones, right, that yeah, are... Yeah, somebody said they saw their daughter Emerson, so, oh, oh. That's, that's good. And then last but not least, unfolded laundry. Oh, that might have been in my house. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so that's awesome. Thank you um, for that. You know, I mentioned that sometimes one of the reasons that we do stuff like this is because there can be a connection between what we do physically and um, what is happening inside spiritually. And so what I want us to do is to try to make that kind of connection, to, to bridge into that. And we've been practicing looking around and noticing things that we can see with our physical eyes. But I want to ask you um, this question and, and invite you to consider to notice and look around at what's happening in your spiritual life, in this more invisible inner world, um, and in your own faith journey. 
So, you know, one of the things that we talk about as a church is wanting to have, um, like, encouragement to take the next step of faith, right? Wherever you are in your faith journey, we want to encourage people to take that next step. But it can be hard to know what that next step is if you don't actually know where you are right now. And so it can be really valuable for us from time to time to just stop and to take stock of where am I and how are things going. Um, I have a spiritual director, and she sometimes asks me this question, and she'll say, you know, what's the state of your soul? And I love that question. Um, And I realize that for some people, that's not a great question because it's a little, like, hard to grab a hold of. But maybe a better uh, question for us today is really, like, where are you in your faith journey? And how is it actually going? Right? How's it going for you in this inner world um, that we can't see? And as we're thinking about that together today, I really want us to look together um, at a a story that's in the book of Mark. Um, And Mark is actually the first gospel to be written down. We have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's pretty commonly uh, believed that Mark was the first one that was written down. And so it's kind of an appropriate book for us to be looking at in this Fresh Start sermon series. Um, and, and Mark is, is kind of a, a fun book because it's short and it's, uh, it's really action-packed. So it's only about 16 chapters long. Not about, it's 16 chapters long. Um, and so if you were to listen to the book of Mark be read aloud to you, you could actually hear it in less than an hour and a half. Um, which is something that I actually would recommend that you try doing. Um, the, the Bible was actually written to be read out loud. So when it, when it was first written, people didn't have copies of it for themselves, right? And so they would, they would read it out loud to people. And it's actually, it feels kind of different to listen to the Bible be read to you than it does to read it yourself from the pages. It's kind of a fun exercise to do, and it might be something you want to uh, try. And the book of Mark is a great one to start with because not only is it short, but it just moves along really quickly. It's full of action and stories. Uh, he uses the word immediately all the time. Immediately this happened, and then immediately this happened, right? It just... It keeps pace. Um, so, so anyway, that might be something that you want to do. I do that um, with a version app on my phone. So there's probably other ways that you can do that. Um, but if you have a smartphone, you have a device, uh, this is just a free app that you can download, and you can read the Bible on it, but you also um, can listen to the Bible. They will read it out loud to you. And so that's something that I like to do from time to time, and you might like to as well. Um, okay, so the, the Gospel of Mark, when, when Mark um, started off writing this book, um, he didn't start with the birth story of Jesus or a genealogy like Matthew and Luke did. Um, he actually started off by telling us about the baptism of Jesus and then by launching into Jesus' ministry um, by telling us about that. Um, and he starts off in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, with this verse. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the gospel. This is something new that's being launched. It's the beginning of something. This is a fresh start. And this is actually the first time that the word gospel was used in this way. Up until this point, gospel might have meant like a message or it might have referred to like an individual document. But gospel had never referred to like a catalog of events before. 
like, like a grouping of stories um, as one event. Sometimes gospel, like it originally was used to refer to something that was like major, that was big, right? The birth of the future Emperor Augustus was called gospel because this was a big deal. This was something that was going to change the course of history. And so Mark is taking a familiar word and he's using it in a new way. And he's saying, this is the beginning of the gospel. This is something that is a, a, a life, a story, a ministry of something that when taken together, is going to change the history of the world. This is the beginning of the gospel. And so that's how Mark starts off. And then in just a handful of verses, it takes him not even half of the first chapter, he tells us about Jesus' baptism, and he tells us about his temptation in the wilderness, and then he launches in to tell us about the, the, um, the ministry of Jesus. And the first story that, that um, Mark tells us about is, is not something that's miraculous. He doesn't tell us one of the wow, spectacular stories. The first thing that he records that Jesus did was to invite four fishermen to come and follow him and to be his disciples. Right? This is the first thing um, that, that Jesus starts off with. And so I want us um, to, to look at this story together. This is where I want us to focus for the next few minutes. So let's read this story together. It comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. It says, When Jesus was walking by Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. So Simon and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. Going a little further, Jesus saw James, or two more brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat, mending their nets. Jesus immediately called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired workers, and they followed Jesus. Okay, so in some ways, this is a really straightforward story, right? Jesus comes and he encounters two sets of brothers. He invites them to follow him, and they do. But what I want to do is I want to point out a couple of things about this story that I think will tell us something about how these brothers responded to Jesus. And then as we are looking around at our own spiritual life and our journey, it might help us think about how we would want to respond to Jesus as well. So the first thing that I want to point out about this story is that Jesus initiated this interaction. Jesus is the one who approached Peter and Andrew as they were fishing. And then Jesus walked down a little further down the lake, and Jesus is the one who called out to James and to John as they were fishing with their dad in the boat. And I just want to tell you that this is actually a really unusual way for a rabbi to get disciples. Because normally, the way that the education system worked in first century Galilee um, it was a little different than our education system here. So kids would start going to school at around age four or five, um, and they would go to um, a school, and they, they called it um, Beth Safar. And this was like our elementary school. Um, but but they, their schools were attached to the synagogues, and so they would use the Torah as their curriculum. The Torah is the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they would learn to read and to write and to memorize these scriptures. And by the time a student was done with Beth Safar, probably around age 12 or so, they would have memorized the entire Torah. They would have learned all of the scriptures in those first five books. 
and that would have completed their education. At this point, most of the students would then stay home. They would help their families. They would learn the family trade. But the best students, the best ones, would go on to Beth Midrash, which was their secondary school. And when they were in Beth Midrash, they would study not just the Torah. They would study all of the Hebrew scriptures. So they would study the prophets, and they would study the Psalms, and they would study the interpretations of these scriptures that the rabbis had written. And memorization was still really important because, remember, uh, not everybody had a copy of the scriptures. So they would either have to go down to the village scroll and, and refer to that, or they'd have to commit this stuff to memory. And so that's what they did. By the time a student was done with Beth Midrash, they would have memorized the entire catalog of Hebrew scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. And if you have a physical copy of your Bible, you may just want to thumb through that and see just how much content that is. And that would have completed Beth Midrash. Now, at this point, they would be finished, except for a few really outstanding students. And those students would apply to become a disciple of a rabbi. And and from what I've read about this, many, perhaps most, of the people who were applying to be a disciple were turned away, right? To be a disciple of a rabbi was very difficult to do. This was the journey that a student would take in order to become a disciple. It was really competitive, it was rigorous, and it was for only a few very elite students. This was who got to be a disciple, And so here we have this story of Jesus who's bringing about his kingdom. He is initiating his ministry, right? He's inviting these people to be his disciples. And he's doing this in a really unusual way. This is what Jesus is doing, right? So not only has he decided to do it in a different way, right? Like if you look at who it is, you see these guys are fishermen. You have James and you have John, and they're in a boat with their dad. So they're learning the family trade, which means these were not elite students. And so Jesus had decided that he was going to have disciples who were not elite. And not only that, but these disciples were not going to come to Jesus to petition and request and apply to be disciples. Jesus was initiating and going after them. We don't have any other rabbinic stories like this. There are no other examples of rabbi who went after disciples, who would approach a student to say, hey, why don't you come and study under me? That's not how it was done. It was always the initiative of the disciple. But Mark tells us this is the beginning of the gospel. This is something different. Jesus is initiating something new and bringing about his kingdom in this way. And this is actually really good news for us because we needed Jesus to initiate this. We needed a fresh start. We needed something new. And we still do. You know, when I was praying for us this week and I was preparing for this and I was just praying and I was asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, what do you have for us today? Like, what's the message? What, what is it that you want to say to us? The thing that I kept coming back to and felt like the Lord was leading us to focus on is this idea that he is still initiating things. Like not only did Jesus initiate our redemption and salvation, right? Not only did he start things by coming to earth as a baby in a manger, not only did he initiate this with the disciples and saying, come on and follow me, but still Jesus is initiating things within us and here in his church, 
right? Every one of us who is a follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is at work within us, stirring and drawing us and inviting us to more. This is good news for us, right? Because not only did Jesus start something new then, but he is still doing new things within us today and now. And this is an invitation for us. Okay, so when we see this story, we notice that Jesus was initiating the interaction. Now, I want us to look at the actual words that Jesus used when he was inviting these disciples to follow him. So if we look together at Mark chapter 1, verse 17, this is what Jesus said. Come, follow me. That's it. Come, follow me. Right, this is, this is a place for you. You belong here. Come follow me. That's what Jesus said. And, it, you know, it's significant not only what Jesus said in saying, come and follow me, but it's significant to notice what Jesus didn't say, which is what all the other rabbis who were, who were um, interrogating their disciples would do. They would ask them questions, right? Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give these people a theology exam. He didn't ask them how much scripture they had memorized and if they qualified for a place to follow him. He did not even ask them if they thought he was the Messiah. He didn't ask them to prove anything to follow him. And not only that, but Jesus didn't try to prove anything to them before they could follow. Right? This invitation, come follow me, it wasn't accompanied with, with a, a miracle. It wasn't accompanied with like a persuasive speech. He wasn't trying to get them to believe something or do something before they would follow. He just said, come on, come on, follow me. You belong here. There's a place for you here. Come and follow. This was the start of something new. Right? This is one of the most foundational things that I know to say about the kingdom of God. Right? I don't, I don't want us to miss this. This is so important. Right? Jesus' message is saying, you are welcome here. You belong. No prerequisites. You don't have to know enough. You don't have to do enough. Right? You don't even have to believe in who I am. Just come on, follow me. You don't have to do anything or know anything or believe anything to be welcome here and to have a place here. So this is like really foundational. And yet, this is one of the things that as Christians, sometimes we practically struggle with. Because the truth is, when we think about what is it that unites us together, when we think about the church or something, a lot of times we say, well, what makes, what makes someone belong here, right? Is it, is it that we believe something or that we behave a certain way? Right? If we had three words, belong, believe, and behave, as Christians, we really struggle to know what order to put those words in. Right? Do you, do you believe first and then you belong here? Or do you behave a certain way? Right? You, you wear the right clothes, you say the right things, and then you belong here? Right? What is it? What order do we put these words in? When do you belong here? Well, Jesus started with belonging. He started by saying, come, follow me. Come on, there's a place for you here. No prerequisites. Everybody had a place of being welcomed um, in this kingdom. Okay, and then here, here is a thing that's pretty fun and remarkable about following. Okay, so let's, let's look a little bit more at what comes next with the words that Jesus said. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, 
he started by saying, come, follow me. And then he said, and I will make you. Come, follow me, and I will make you something more. Come, follow me onto a journey of change and transformation. Come, follow me, and you won't stay the same. Right? I... I love that Mark records it this way and that, that Jesus said it this way. You know, when you read uh, different books of the Bible, the different authors have different ways of communicating um, things. And so they have uh, different approaches. And so like Luke, if you read his gospel, he's like putting together this very detailed account. He's like, I've done my, his my history and my homework and I'm, I'm going to prove this to you. Well, Mark takes a, a different approach and he's just like a faith writer, right? He's just like, hey, by reading the story this way, you can see that sometimes that faith is an action. It's an act you do before it becomes the content of your belief, right? Sometimes you step out and you do something before you even understand or believe it. I, I've known so many people for whom this is their story, that this is the story of their faith journey, right? That they would step out and do something, you, that they would belong somewhere before they even understood the message of the gospel. Right? They might come along to a church community and they might show up and, and brew coffee and set up chairs and go to a life group and have conversations with people before they really even understand who Jesus is and what he's about. Because first they belong. Right? They have a place there. Somebody invited them and said, hey, come on. Come on, there's a place for you here. And so faith sometimes is just this act of taking a step. Right? And, and then we take these small steps. Sometimes they're really tentative. But this is what the life of a disciple is all about, right? You start where you are, and you take the next step. And then you take the next step. And then you take the next step. And as we follow Jesus, he makes us something more, right? It, it, this, um, this life of faith, this journey, has never meant to be um, like the idea of instant transformation. Th that's not what it's been about, right? Now, now forgiveness is instant, right? salvation is instant. When you come to Jesus and, and you, you repent and you ask for forgiveness, like that's instant, right? The righteousness of Jesus is applied to us. We are in right standing before God. And that, I'm not talking about that, right? I'm talking about this life of discipleship, which is a journey that we are on of growth. And our growth, it's not always lin linear and it's not always easy. Sometimes it's clunky and sometimes it takes us by surprise. But we get to step out in faith and we get to experience these things, and we get to repent and change direction. And the thing is that this idea of changing direction, this is not something that happens only at the beginning of our faith journey. Sometimes those of us who have been following Jesus for a little while now get tripped up with this because we think, well, I've been following, and now I'm mature, and I get to teach other people how they get to change. And we remember, oh, I remember how I was changed in this. But, but, but we forget that we are also on this journey of change. And sometimes this happens when we don't stop and look around and name things that we see in the room. Maybe not a cat, but, but these things that we see in, in our inner world, right? This, this invisible place when we try to notice these things and we say, where am I? Right? When was the last time that I was cut to the heart because of my own sinfulness? When was the last time that I got lost in worship? When was the last time that I know for sure that the Lord led me to do something or said something to me? 
Where am I in my own faith journey? And what's the next step for me? Right? What's the next thing that God is leading me on? What's the invitation for me right now on this faith journey? Because here's the thing about discipleship is that when we're following Jesus and we take these steps, it's like we learn something more about what Jesus has said, right? We'll hear something about Jesus' teaching about forgiveness, and then we'll look at our own relationships and we'll say, well, how am I following Jesus in that? And then we'll hear something later about, about Jesus' teachings about money, and then we'll say, well, let me look at my own budget, and how am I following Jesus in that? And then later, down the road, as we're following some more, we'll read these things about what Jesus has to say about the oppressed and about people who are imprisoned. And then we'll look around and we'll say, well, who's in the prisons now? And who's being oppressed now? And how am I following Jesus in this? Right? This is how it's always meant to be. This is the road of discipleship. And the remarkable thing is that as we follow Jesus and as we take these steps, Right, this, this place that we find in Jesus' kingdom is full of life. That's what we talk about, life to the full. Right, this is a journey of growth where we have been invited. Jesus has initiated, come follow me and I will make you something more. You will be transformed. And we find a place in this kingdom and we find joy that no matter what's going on in the world around us, that inside of us, that God is at work and that he is growing and he is changing us to be more like him. And so today I'm, I'm really encouraging us all to consider what the Lord is saying and doing in each of our own lives and our hearts um, and as we consider this together, I want to invite you to join with me in uh, sharing communion. And my invitation for communion is really meant to be a lot like the invitation of Jesus to these fishermen, in that this is an open invitation. There are no prerequisites to come to this table. You don't have to believe anything specific. You don't have to be a member of our church. Anyone who wants to respond to Jesus in any way is invited to come. Sometimes we call communion um, the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. And, and the thing is, this is the Lord's Table. And everyone is welcome, right? This isn't ours to keep people away from. And what we do whenever we take communion together um, is we are just remembering who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Right, that, that's our goal in doing this. And we remember the story of communion, right? We remember that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed with his friends, or he was betrayed by his friend, was with his friends, and he shared a meal together with them. And, and Jesus, when he was with them, he took some bread, and he lifted it up, and he blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said to them, this is my body that is for you. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took a cup and he poured it out. And he told them, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that is poured out for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so this is what we do um, as we gather together, right? And, and so wherever you are right now and whatever you have to eat and to drink, we are going to share in this communion together. And we're doing it because the Lord wanted us to. Jesus said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So friends, let's proclaim the Lord's death together and remember what he's done for us. So friends, the body of Christ broken for you. And the blood of Christ shed for you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your body and your blood, for your life that you have offered for us. Lord, we thank you for the invitation that you have extended to us to follow you and to be your disciples. And Lord, we pray that wherever we are on this faith journey with you, that you would lead us on further and deeper into knowing who you are and what it means to follow you. Lord, thanks for loving us. Thank you for offering yourself for us. And Lord, we ask that you would help us as we think about the ways that we are learning and growing in our relationship with you. And we ask that you would continue leading us on this journey of transformation. In Jesus' name, amen.